Here's what you get on today's episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. I would tell prospective EAs or people that are currently doing the role, know your audience, know your client. They need you to help solve problems, make their lives easier. Try to be strategic, organized, and maybe take the first step in a, in a problem solving. And also try to have a positive attitude. And instead of saying, mm, that's not going to work, I can't get you on a flight to Copenhagen tonight at midnight, be like, that sounds difficult. Let me see what I can do. And be honest, but just don't shut down difficult ideas right away. The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Alrighty, welcome. I am Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington, serving online information entrepreneurs throughout the US and around the world. Welcome to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. I am super excited to welcome Ethan and Stephanie Bull today. Welcome, Ethan and Stephanie. Thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Hi, Heather. Hi, Ethan. So good to have you both. I am excited because this is only my second conversation with two guests who are a husband and wife team working together. And if you have been a listener of the show, if you're a new listener, stick around. This is going to be an awesome conversation because we all need this type of support in our business. So you're going to want to listen today and hear about Ethan and Stephanie's work and also their journey into their work. We're going to dig out some nuggets. I know it. For those of you that don't know Ethan and Stephanie, Ethan Bull is a co-founder of Pro Assisting, a next-generation remote executive assistance firm for business owners and C-suite executives. With a background in hospitality and an expert in the EA space, Ethan has held a variety of senior positions, including Director of Administrative Services and Senior EA, and for those of you that don't know EA, Executive Assistant, to the President and CEO at Rochester Regional Health. Stephanie Bull is Pro Assisting's co-founder and the former executive assistant for J. Cruz CEO and the CEOs of two multi-billion dollar hedge funds. Before developing Pro Assisting, Stephanie proved herself an expert in the field and a vital addition to the C-suite by fulfilling a variety of roles, including chief of staff, estate manager, and investment liaison. I am so excited to learn more about your background in this space. You guys both come directly from the space that you are now leading a company in, which I love. And so you've got real, uh, we'll call it boots on the ground experience and knowing what you're up to and a couple things that are in the works. I'm super excited for the folks that will benefit from your training, but welcome she made it sound really good, didn't I she? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Did not take a lot of effort, folks. <laughs> so the first place I want to start, just because even before we went live, I'm like, oh my gosh, hats off to a husband and wife couple that can work together. Talk to me about 
your background story, how you guys either met or evolved together in this executive assistant space. Tell us how you got connected and then launched the idea for your own company. Well, actually, I was living in New York City and Stephanie was visiting. Um, this was about 20 years ago. Yes, yeah, so it was 20 years ago. And awesome. um, I was at my local pub, saw her enter the pub at the other end of the room, said to my one of my really best friends who ended up being in our wedding. And I said, you see that girl who just walked in? That's the girl we never get. <laughs> and lo and behold, we ended up chatting. And um, she was not living in New York at that time, but our relationship really built over the phone. Mm -hmm. And then she moved down and, um, you know, started work at an investment banking firm. And she, you got poached. Yeah, I was um, I was working for Credit Suisse First Boston, and in investment banking, and it, it definitely wasn't lighting my soul on fire. But it was a job, and I had to make money living in New York. And before I moved, my father was like, "You know how expensive it is to live there. You you know you need a job right away." And I was like, "Yes, Dad. Yes, you're right." And he was right. But while I was there, I did get some great experience in an EA role. And um, I had been working on a number of presentations on the side that I happened to be good at. And someone poached me and said, hey, guess what? One of our biggest clients runs a $5 billion hedge fund. And there are only about 12 people working there right now. And he needs a new executive assistant because his current one is going to be moving into another role. So I interviewed, I was you know, it was kind of a grueling interview process, but um, I got the job and stayed there for about eight years and was his right hand. Um, I helped manage a huge home build on the Connecticut coast. He had a equestrian property. He had five homes. So I was that person. Then I did a brief stint in fashion, uh, worked for J. Crew Group and um, realized that I really love fashion as a hobby, but I did not like working with people in fashion because they were <laughs> all of the things that you think they would be, the stereotypes. Um, and then, so after that, I went back into uh, into the financial world. So, Oh my gosh. When you said that about the fashion world, that movie came to mind. Um, Double, Double Wears, Wears Prada. Prada. Yes. Oh my gosh. I yeah. was, you know, my sister who's way into fashion graduated in like merchandise, textiles, design, all that stuff. She always wanted to be in that world. She's landed perfectly. I think where she's designed to be now she's in sales. She went from medical sales actually to like skincare and, you know, more on the beauty side, but working with dermatologists who are doing like a really wide variety of things in skincare and health. Anyways, it's fun to see where she's at. But I remember watching that movie and being like, oh, it would be such a tough world, especially if you're not loving it. Yes. Yes. Totally. It was it was a, a learning experience. <laughs> so you went from Boston. I hear that you were living in Boston and moved to New York, Stephanie. Yeah, I um, I had lived in D.C. after college and mm. kind of made a big life change. And I was staying with my parents for a few months and knew that I wanted to be in New York City. So I was visiting the weekend that we met oh, got and it. preparing to move. And then, you know, worlds collide. Exactly. Worlds collide. Everything aligned. And, I love uh, that. And Ethan was working as an EA, but in I was advertising. in advertising. Yeah. 
before mm-hmm. that, I was in the entertainment industry, you know, and um, also a fun one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, she has better stories than I do. <laughs> I bet, yeah, I bet there's some intensity there. Yeah, intensity, <laughs> bold face names, all of that good stuff. Um, and the thing is, is being, uh, you know, a male in the EAC is is kind of really rare. But actually, in the entertainment industry, they use it as the stepping stone into whether you're going to be a producer or even a writer or a director or um, a development executive or an agent. Uh, the executive assistancy is really kind of that that stepping stone, if you will. Like you've got to learn well. the ropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also in the entertainment industry, as well as finance. When the term secretary moved into assistant or executive assistant, they really view it as a jack of all trades slash Swiss army knife role where you are the single point of contact and and you're filtering everything for your principal to maximize their time. And when, you know, Stephanie mentioned the project on the coast of Connecticut that she was in charge of. Her boss specifically told everyone involved at the kickoff meeting, this is Stephanie, what she says is coming from me. And uh, if you need questions answered, you give them to Stephanie and she will find the optimal time based on your needs for that information on when to ask me, get an answer and then filter it back to you. And that was a side project. That was mm-hmm. on the personal side of the ledger. Um, and so it goes to show the breadth that the role can inhibit when you're dealing with the CEO of a billion dollar organization mm-hmm. or a high net worth individual who has many moving parts. And it's really a useful role if the principal can learn to not micromanage and hand Uh, off and delegate and and it's that no like and trust and then the sky's the limit Mm. and then it's a true partnership so well you've raised i love i mean there's so many questions that i have for you but you've raised i feel like a couple of important points in what you've just said One is about the gender roles within the executive assisting world. I think, too, what comes to mind for me is how stupidly attached we can be generally within, um, I'll call it the working world, I think, particularly in the U.S., to our titles, right? And the perception of what a title either conveys or brings with it. You know, you mentioned like when it switched from secretary to assistant or executive assistant, you know, kind of the possibilities open up. And I think that has so much to do with perspective, but also association with particular titles. And then on the the flip side, you have this whole question of leadership from the principal's role of like, how well do they allow this person to inhabit this this key support space for them, managing so many things, so many topics, so many people, right, that come into their schedule, their life, et cetera. And it's, you know, when you describe it in that way, you see what a not only a big role that it is, I heard you describe it as like, you have to be a jack of all trades, right? You have to be able to manage a lot. And the mom brain in me is exploding a little bit because my husband and I regularly laugh that like 
Some of us feel like we barely have enough skills to manage our own life, let alone all these other people's lives, right? And it sounds like in the executive assisting role, like you really are managing a massive piece of whether it's work or personal side of somebody else's life. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it it absolutely is. And um, it's interesting that you say that because um, about the parenting role, because um, (laughs) I find that we, you know, um, the majority of the assistants that we work with happen to be female. But Mm. as a rule, most moms are so amazing at multitasking and organizing and keeping everyone organized. And sometimes there are words that come out of my mouth, like, yes, this has all been taken care of. You just get to show up. And I don't Mm. mean that in a bad way. It's just that all the behind the scenes has been taken care of. (laughs) Um, So, and anyway, our assistants um, who are also also mothers just um, are even that much more amazing, I think. So yeah, well, there is, I think there is definitely a natural tendency. I read an article recently around, I, I can't remember what they called it. The, the mental labor, quiet labor, something. It's a lot of this emotional organizing pre-planning that happens, whether you kind of recognize it or label it or document it or not that it takes to just manage a life or manage a family or manage somebody else's life or schedule, right? It is a lot. And I know personally, as a mom, uh, coming through COVID and out of COVID, like, I would not have survived on the work side without my assistant, not for one week during COVID. That's how intense things have been. Like it, like my work, my clients, I would not have survived. And so it's, you know, it it is a lot and it takes a lot to have the skills to be able to manage that for somebody else. And so I just really love the reframe around that. And um, uh, I'm excited to hear because it sounds like, I mean, and I want to dig in first of all too, because I still want to hear the part about where you guys got together and said, Let's do this thing, right? Let's let's launch our own company or business having come from the world of executive assisting. Um, what are you finding? And, and before we get there, what are you finding regarding the gender piece? Is that changing at all? Is the is it opening up? Is it still largely bound by kind of our traditional ideas of what people should or shouldn't be doing based on gender? What are you guys seeing? I'm not seeing many more male assistants. Um, yeah. and, and then you can talk about sexual orientation. So uh, mm. gay men are probably more prominent than straight men in the EA role. Um, I have talked to a number of men um, as potential partner EAs for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's just a gradual process. I mean, I think men can succeed just as well as as women in the role. But I will say personally... In the first third of my career, after I moved from entertainment into advertising and it started to become more of a career, I I, honestly, I was a little ashamed of being Mm. a male assistant in how executives viewed me in the seat. Um, Not my principles directly. That's not something that you could control. Yeah. It was more along the lines of a visiting. Right. Um, executive or someone interviewing or a different Mm. executive at a different part of the company. 
and then, you know what, you just got to let that roll off your back and become persistent. And um, then they'll notice that, wow, they're providing great service and there's a sense of hospitality. And that was kind of my experience. Mm -hmm. I guess I would say in terms of us uh, starting our business, Stephanie Mm -hmm. actually gained a client through our network after we moved out of New York City. And that kind of happened randomly. Mm -hmm. And then we did a deep dive on the virtual assistant space and -hmm. what that looked like. And it didn't look like us. It didn't look like career executive assistants working at a really high level, compensated appropriately for our support. And we kind of saw that gap between where the typical virtual assistant service kind of dropped off Mm -hmm. and a full-time assistant would pick up and we leveraged our knowledge around working in a three to one executive to assistant ratio when we were leading teams of assistants, built our business model around that and made the conscious choice to pay our assistants commensurate with their experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should ex- also explain the three to one ratio. Um, basically, that just is we feel that we as assistants and the assistants that work with us work at an optimal level, working with no mm-hmm. more than three people. So yeah. a lot of the other virtual assistant firms, you know, you might have an assistant who has 12 clients mm. and is constantly juggling. And I, I don't even know if that's possible. That feels insane to me. That feels completely undoable. Yes. And unless you're literally doing like a single task across the board for each of them, yes. you know, that feels really challenging. Yes. Well, you get to that high number when, and they, they deal with, you know, you're usually, they're usually paying their assistant and they're, they're usually, the client is usually paying the company $45 an hour and they're usually paying the assistant 20 to $25 an hour. And so you can get to that number of 12 assistants. Like you have one client at five hours, another client at 15, another client 30, Mm -hmm. another client at 12. And that's just kind of how that model works. Whereas Mm -hmm. we don't charge by the hour, it's a flat retainer rate for one third, the resources of one of our assistants. Mm -hmm. And that provides that feeling of Monday through Friday, nine to five full service support. So Mm -hmm. it's been interesting. um, And and in terms of seeing all the different options, Mm -hmm. and there are a number of great options, and we're not the only one. So I would say, to anybody listening out there running their own business, if you need someone to do asynchronous work Mm -hmm. and it's more task-based and you can get it for $5 an hour overseas, that's fantastic. Or if you want that US-based person, but you really only want them for something that again is more asynchronous and more, you know, handling tasks lists, then that's great. And if you want someone really who's a true partner and you're not ready to hire a full-time assistant and you want that executive assistant level, then we may be a great option. Mm. And so that is what, that's kind of how the whole industry has kind of opened up, which has been really great to see. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, and I love that because people are going to have different priorities and different values. And particularly based on maybe where their own either career path or business is, right, even in its own journey. And I would say for me, I care a lot about relationships, reliability, mm-hmm. having somebody, you know, which which can take some time to build. You have to like be willing to invest 
in people and in time to have the kind of like core support that ultimately gets you through those really tough days where it's like this person sometimes needs to be able to make decisions for you on the fly. And they need to know you so well to be able to make the right decision so that you're not having to be involved in every Mm -hmm. single Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and uh, I think the pro assisting difference is that Mm -hmm. we also treasure those human relationships. And we believe in the assistants that partner with us. We, um, we do pass on 80% of the monthly retainer to our assistants. So mm-hmm. we're really just acting as an agent. Um, we do take a 20%, but we, our clients, you know, stick with us for an average of at least three years and we build that trust over time. And they do rely on us um, to make decisions on their behalf and to represent them at the highest level. Yeah. You're um, both, you're both keying into the legacy knowledge yeah. that is built up over time with a principle in terms of their personal world, their business mm-hmm. world, the community, And there is a value there that you can't put a dollar figure on. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's something that builds over time and creates efficiency over time and creates that true partnership. And, and so we have to explain that to our prospects when all they want to know is how many hours does this get me? I'm always, I'm always like, it's going to be enough hours. I'm not worried about the time aspect. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about are we the right fit? Because if yeah. you know we are month to month, and it's all about forming great long relationships. So totally. All right, let's pause for a moment and hear from today's sponsor. Are you an entrepreneur who is on track to make a million or more in revenue this year in your business? If so, your business is likely facing a host of legal issues that are ripe for support. And if you are like so many of my clients at this level, you are likely tired of taking unnecessary risk and a DIY approach to legal support in your business. You're ready to tackle the mess of legal documents, fix legal gaps that you have. You want to take care of your IP, your clients, your business, and avoid unnecessary conflict and risk in the process. If this is you, and beyond just being an entrepreneur, you are a catalyst and are committed to your mission and your impact in the world, I invite you to get in touch. You could be a fit for my Catalyst Club, a small business legal support program that I designed for my high-level clients just like you. You can find out more at LegalWebsiteWarrior.com. Just click on the Work With Me tab to learn more about the Catalyst Club and other ways that I support my clients. A fabulous group of world-changing entrepreneurs, I might add. You've done the initial legwork in your business, and now you want to soar. And you know that you can only go as high and as far as your legal foundation lets you go. So get in touch today. Hop over to LegalWebsiteWarrior.com. Click on the Work With Me tab. And if you have any questions, get in touch through the contact link on my site. I look forward to connecting. It would be a joy to support you on your path. Um, I have a couple of questions for you. But first, I want to ask, who are your clients? Well, I guess uh, we like to say that we're a great executive assistant as a chameleon. And we're really industry agnostic and principle agnostic. It's really about forming that no like and trust relationship with someone. We source 
or find our great assistance by first acknowledging their hard experience and then a little bit more importantly, focus in on their interpersonal skills or work ethic, emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. and making sure that they have that servant's heart and want to see themselves as a career-minded executive assistant. And if we find that, they could go into pharmaceuticals or they could go mm-hmm. into real estate or they could go into finance. We do say though, that if, if you're a solopreneur or you're like a coach or consultant or that, we really want to see north of $500,000 a year in revenue to justify our, our minimum amount um, from a business perspective. But And we have a lot of clients like that all the way up. Totally. Well, and I imagine some of those businesses are where these folks are actually most key, right? And it's like, They've been in business long enough. They're ready for that support. They're either Mm -hmm. quickly growing or poised to quickly scale. They need somebody that will help them turn on and like really optimize that machine, right? Even for a small business. And I work with plenty of folks in that range and higher, you know, in the one to 2 million, 3 million annual revenue, Mm -hmm. and they've built a small team or they're needing to optimize and, and continue to build out a small team. Yes, absolutely. And Ethan does the majority of our sales calls with prospective clients. And often I will overhear him be like, you know, we're probably not the right fit for you right now, but Mm. six months, please check in with me. Um, Because he knows he's really good at reading those, the tea leaves, I guess you could Mm. say, (laughs) and knowing um, um, we want to meet expectations, basically. Totally. How do you guys achieve kind of placement fit, right? For your clients. I heard you talk about like the ways that you get to know your EAs, right? And make sure that they're the right fit. How do you go through kind of that placement process? The thing is, is being an expert two-sided marketplace, I don't think either of us would sleep well at night if we had 10 or 15 assistants or 20 assistants waiting in the wings for clients. Yeah, And it goes back again to us being chameleons um, in that I've worked in a number of different kinds of industries. Stephanie has as well. We've proven this model by working for clients in different industries. It's more about finding that right assistant and, and making sure that, you know, we're partnering them with, frankly, a, a business owner or a, a, a founder or a CEO level person who won understands the rules of the road, if you will, about our service and what that looks like. And, and two also is not a jerk, mm-hmm. you know, and is not, not taking the caricature that you see in some movies or TV shows about what an assistant is. And mind you, most mm-hmm. of those assistants are working for billionaires. Right. So they're being compensated at a level you have no idea about. And so the abuse they take is kind of baked in where we don't, <laughs> We're not there, you yeah, know, we don't, right. we don't stand for that. No, absolutely not. And and um, we have had to let go of clients that are, are not, uh, they're not the right fit. They're not respectful. Um, their expectations are not appropriate. Um, so it's- the, th- the thing that's so crazy about th- that to me is like, it's so counterintuitive to, first of all, building your business or your department or whatever it is, Right creating a team member that you can rely on and that respects you and cares about you enough to do their best work. Like it's just, it's so bizarre to me when you see those 
caricatures in movies, but yes. also, you know, what happens in real life, you know, yes. there are people that are that way. And yes. um, it just, it, it literally feels insane to me that that's a way that people think like this will work and it'll work well. I agree with you. It, it's um, rule by fear and it makes absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> no, no, it does not. So with that, I, I'm curious, I've got two questions for you. Is there one thing that you wish more of your clients knew right? Either about the EA world, about your services, about how, how to be a better leader. And then well, on the flip side, I'm going to, the next question is, is right, there I'll one take the first thing, one. You get the take the first side. one. Okay. Yeah. Is there one thing that you wish um, the executive assistant world knew or, or potential, like speaking to the other side of the marketplace, people who are in the executive assistant role and maybe should be working for somebody like you, right? What do you wish those folks knew? So on the first one, given that we are fractional and remote and geography doesn't really matter until you talk time zone, and if you're in the same time zone, you can work there. I do find there is sometimes where a prospect just, and a, or a new client, if you will, just feels like we're a computer program. And like, we're just like, and it's not a person to person business. And if you go into it thinking we're a computer program, you're going to shortchange um, the onboarding the executive experience. Assistant world and you're not going to form that like no like and trust relationship. And you're going to be off on, on the wrong foot and maybe from the get-go as opposed to like understanding you, that right? what do you wish those it does knew? take some time. Um, I do like to say, though, after you've been interacting with working with mm -hmm. someone for three weeks, you're really going to feel the lift. And the reason being is because we partner with executive assistants who could command six figures in major metropolitan areas. Yeah, they know this. this is their yes. deal. Yeah. Yeah. So th they're going to tell you what you shouldn't be doing. And they're going to tell you what they are going to take off your plate. You know what this reminds me of? This might be a really bad example, but I'm going to say it anyways. We watched a TV show recently. We just started it called The Diplomat, I think on Netflix or something. We oh, loved it. We watched that. Yeah. yeah. Right. But like, and I don't even remember names at this point because we watched like the first few episodes, but it's the, it's the guy who has that role for her. Right. And he, yes. like, he has all this background chief knowledge chief of staff. that yep. she doesn't have. Yeah, exactly. It's like chief of staff. That's the way I think of that role is like, no, you should be like, don't do that. <laughs> do this. And somebody yes. that comes with that breadth of background helps you be a better leader. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like behind totally. the scenes advising. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. You get the second one. Okay. So I guess I would tell um, prospective EAs or people that are currently doing the role, um, mm -hmm. know, like know your audience, know your client. They need you to help solve problems, make their lives easier. So it is wise to ask the right questions, but try to be strategic about it and organized and maybe take the first step in a, in a problem solving and maybe compile three questions at a time and don't bombard them because they're going to become annoyed. Mm. That is one piece of advice. And also try to have a positive attitude. And instead of saying, mm, that's not going to work, I can't get you on a flight to Copenhagen tonight at midnight, be like, that sounds difficult. Let me see what I can do. And, mm. and be honest, but just don't, don't shut down difficult ideas right away. Mm, 
I love that. I feel like, uh, um, it's not just a can-do attitude, but an optimistic attitude goes a long way in life. Generally, yes. let's be honest, because if you are open to looking for solutions, you're way more likely to find them than yes. if you're really not open to looking in the first place. And it, I feel like it's just the way the universe works. And so it's funny because when I think back, I, I lost my longtime assistant in the middle of COVID. She was a mom of three little oh. boys and knew my business, knew everything about how things ran over here. I actually have two businesses, right? And um, and I've got a couple of other assistants that do very specific things. Um, and then I've got somebody that helps me on the legal side. So I have other team members, but they don't do her role, right? Mm -hmm. And so I lost her right before the holidays. And I ended up having to kick off a whole hiring season, you know, going through Christmas and New Year's. Anyways, I got a, a replacement and she's been awesome. And the the factor that I hired her for, and by the way, there were at this time in the middle of COVID, I think there were like, I don't know, over a hundred applicants, right? And so I had to filter through a bunch, set up a bunch of interviews. I talked to some folks who were super experienced and I talked to this gal who just had an awesome attitude. She was the one that was like, I can do it, hire me. Like, and, but she had follow up. She was the only one, like, consistently every day, like, where are you in the process? How can I help? I, you know, I'm ready to go. And I just loved her attitude above and beyond everything else. And it has served her so well. She's had to learn a lot because she wasn't as experienced as some of the other folks. Mm -hmm. But I feel like her attitude has taken her so much farther, you know? And, Anyway, so I love, I really love that point about attitude because I feel like it's it's a huge part of whether we succeed in work regardless of what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like, and the reason I wanted to ask that question is I often think, because like in the entrepreneur space and the folks that I serve, I think there are some people who end up deciding like, this just isn't for me, you know, and I really belong inside of someone else's business, but really helping them run it because I know so much, right? And I feel like there's a lot of those folks who actually would make the perfect executive assistant at a very high level because of their experience, their personality, they're willing to tackle a lot, but they're really not designed to be the out front person. We've actually had some success working. It, it feels like we've had um, a former attorney yeah. uh, as an assistant who after two months was bought out of her agreement with us to go work full time with the person yeah. who partnered her with. Um, we had another we had an accountant who worked a long length project at, a, at an elevated rate for a, a different client. Um, we see opportunities sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, when, uh, someone fills out our join our team page on our, on our website and, and, and I'll take that conversation, but 95%, it is the hard experience, but Danny Meyer, the restaurateur in New York mm -hmm. said, you know, they're a 5149 company meaning, and we stole this from him, but, or borrowed maybe is better word, <laughs> um, I'm giving him credit. Right. Um, Good job. Good job. It's it's that 49% in the hard experience uh -huh. and the 51%, as I said, in those soft skills and those in that yeah. emotional intelligence and in the attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and knowing you're in a service business 
And we stress that you have to be able to provide a service, but can you raise that level of service to hospitality? Mm. And then, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but with artificial intelligence um, really playing a big role in a lot of the things we're doing and in the administrative assistant or assistant space, mm. our thesis is that the the soft skills, the, the emotional intelligence of a great EA is going to be the bridge between a principal and artificial intelligence. And if, you know, many of our clients, they want to know about AI from investing perspectives and that kind of thing, but they would rather have someone leveraging AI on their behalf and making their assistant more efficient and knowing that they're covering their bases with artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. without having to keep up with it, know how to leverage chat GPT or, or what have you. Mm. And so that's, that's kind of how we, how we look at it. Mm. You raise such an important point with the artificial intelligence, right? We're in a phase right now where it's moving faster than it ever has before. I think a lot of spaces are in a period of like wondering, are we going to be extraordinarily disrupted, right? Some maybe will be some, I think less so, Um, My personal perspective and opinion is that most of us don't love interacting exclusively with robots or programs or machines. I don't think that's likely to change because human behavior changes much more slowly than technology does. There's no part of me that wants to go to an expert virtual therapist that is a robot, right? If I need therapy, that's not what I want. And I think one of the things that robots, um, I'm just calling them robots because it's fun, um, don't do well (laughs) that humans do. And there's there's a lot of research around this and that uh, they may not ever catch up is that humans are able to extrapolate, right? Our brains are extraordinary um, at, because we're primed for what? Survival, right? optimizing like what is the lesson from this experience that I can apply over here, which allows me to extrapolate really key data from this new situation happening. Robots don't do that. They can't really be trained to do that. Right now, they're not doing that. And so I still think what you just said is right, is that we can use AI to support some of the components of our various roles, regardless of what industry we're in, right? EA is one of them. But I I don't think AI is going to come in and replace most human-centric roles where people much prefer working with a human because we're relationship-based primarily. And most of us want to be that way. Yes. Right? Yes. That's oh. my that's my little tirade on that. So I want some people to calm down about it. I think it. we're aligned. Yeah, we are we are totally yeah. aligned. I was I was also just gonna add because I agree hundred percent with what you said. And um, you know, as humans, um we take away what is said in a conversation, mm. but also what is not said, mm. um, facial expressions and a pause. Mm. And there's so much more to communication than how many of up. us, right. Have like really massively screwed up a text conversation, right? Exactly. Especially with our spouses talking about the whole like working relationship oh. with our spouses. Yes. And we're like, oh, oops, we should have done that conversation face to face. 
Absolutely. Like a prime example, I feel like, of the difference that we're talking about here. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And tone. I mean, it's so hard. Tone Mm -hmm. in an email, in a text message, any of that is just, it's near impossible to nail every time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, So I know you guys have a couple of exciting things, not only coming up, I think you'd published the audio version of your book. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share with us a little bit about your book that came out last year and then the audio version that was just released? Uh, You know, what we were finding as we were building our business was we were coming across a lot of people who had never used an assistant before. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to come up with a way that we could take our gulp 45 plus years of combined (laughs) assisting experience Mm -hmm. and um, kind of create an instruction manual. And it can be great for that person who's never used an assistant to kind of brainstorm of how would an assistant fit into my world Mm. and how would that help me in my business. But it's also a great way for someone who has an assistant to make sure they're getting the most out of the partnership. And we focus on five performance multipliers. So it's called the 29 hour workday and our five performance multipliers should add five more hours in your day um, in that the assistant should be thought of as your business partner, as your chief of staff, as your project manager, as your assistant slash scheduler and personal assistant. And don't shy away from that one. A lot of people feel guilty about asking their assistant to do personal work. That is part of the, uh, a lot of fun things come out of that side of the world. When you're, when you're assisting someone on a personal level and you save the day and their, their eight-year-old daughter has an amazing birthday party with the best magician that the whole party has ever seen. I mean, that's huge. That's fun. And then yeah. the client is sending you a video of, of the, the, the act going on. It's like that creates a real partnership and, a, and it is a relationship unlike any other that transcends both of those, you know? So um, mm, that's yeah. a really, that's an important point. And I, I can relate to that because you're right. Like on the personal side, I mean, there've been days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just have to hire like a house manager. I don't even know what to call it. Like somebody to come in and help me manage the personal side of life, right? All the logistics and the to-dos and the kids things and the traveling and the scheduling and blah, blah, blah. So I get it. And I have been kind of resistant to like transfer some of that onto my assistant who knows everything else about both sides of my businesses, you know? So um, that is interesting that that is kind of a hesitation for some people. Yeah. And we encourage it. Yeah. No, Mm -hmm. I was going to say it definitely is. Um, People do hesitate. And I think as long as you're respectful of you communicate what you're looking for Mm -hmm. and you respect the boundaries and, and they know that you're not going to be asking them to do something at 11 PM on a Saturday night, Mm -hmm. um, at least, you know, on the regular, (laughs) um, as long as you're communicating, I, yeah, I enjoy Mm -hmm. the personal projects as well. Oh, that's super fun. Well, I love the title of your book, The 29-Hour Workday. It's like, it goes so against the trends, right? The four-hour work week, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? 
<laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Right. Yeah. Without it being like your 29 hour work day. We don't want that either. But right. Um, right. no, it is a great, it's a great play on that theme. Um, so the audio version just came out and that book is for folks who are new to the world and also who can do it better, could do a better job of utilizing the assistants or the executive assistants that they're already working with. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So we'll share the links to those in the show notes. Um, you also have, it sounds like this interesting educational side or component of your business that you're getting ready to launch. You want to share a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be basically business school for, or a graduate program for career executive assistants. So we're going to be doing coaching and consulting, but also a community of fellow assistants um, where you can learn, but also commiserate and share. Yeah. It's, it's, we just don't see it out there um, mm. in terms of today's day and age. Uh, what, what training is out there? Um, we really think this could be a kind of the go-to certification program. Um, it's more about, having this two-sided marketplace in our business and we are we we have been focused on the clients for the last five years while we've partnered with great assistants we've also taught these 80 plus assistants who we've partnered with how to go out on their own how to look at their assistant career as a trade that is um industry agnostic and principal agnostic and geographically agnostic and and how to kind of start their own mini business, whether they're under the pro assisting umbrella or not, and not be at the whims of a company going under or the company axing three divisions out of six and um, or your boss losing your job, their job and you getting partnered with the worst executive that's in the company, um, really being able to forge your own path um, and, and present yourself in a way that um can command or even exceed your current compensation if you are working for clients instead of bosses. So mm. it's all of that. I love that. I love the entrepreneurial perspective to your own career, you know, managing your own career as its business. Well, it's a, becoming a very well-worn path for new business owners to take the experience that they've learned through their W-2 roles and on the second half, transition it either into consulting, either into fractional and forging their own path. Um, mm. It's not for everyone um, and, and nor should it be, but um, the internet and the breaking down of geographical lines and what COVID has done through the idea of hybrid and remote work has made such things much more acceptable mm -hmm. and um, created so many opportunities out there for the businesses in that one to $3 million range mm -hmm. where it makes no sense to bring on a CFO, but mm -hmm. get a fractional CFO, someone to put your, their eyes on your business, you know, 10 hours a month. And yet, see around those corners or from a strategy standpoint or a sales standpoint or an assistant or IT or bookkeeping. You can mm -hmm. really piece together a business without hiring the full-time employees 
And, and that's what those independent contractors want. Yeah. You know, they don't, they're okay. They're okay out there, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how we see it. Well, it's such an important phase for those businesses who are scaling through that zone because it's kind of the no man's land when it comes to access to certain types of services or people in the team building process. It's the same reason I launched basically a fractional version of like, you know, full-time in-house legal support for clients in that range. It's like, they need my eyeballs. They don't need me full-time. They need right. me to yeah. do very specific things for them as they scale. And I built right. that into a program and it helps, you know, companies that are the size that I serve it through that growth phase. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a big fan and fully support those businesses getting the type of support that they need rather than opting out from it or trying to piecemeal their own solutions that don't really work when they really need some legitimate support. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's an exciting time. Totally, totally. So out of respect for your time, it's been so fun to have you both here talking about this area. I find it endlessly fascinating because like you said, you know, there's so much that gets done in the executive assisting space. And I think really um, from the perspective of leading your own business, being an entrepreneur, you know, leading your own department, if you're within a larger company, whatever it is, really expanding your idea of how you can utilize that support and see that role so that you maximize your growth. I just think it's so essential for any of us who are leading businesses, leading our lives and really see it that way. What um in our in our final uh final few minutes, couple of questions for you. Where are you online? For folks that are listening and thinking, I need to go check out Ethan and Stephanie's work. I really like the concept of pro assisting, uh, whether from you know the the leadership, pri- you know, principal role needing to hire support or the role of somebody saying, like, I need to check this out because it sounds like a fit for me. Um, where do you like for folks to find you or connect with you? Um, well, we're both active on LinkedIn. So Stephanie Bull and Ethan Bull, B-U-L-L, um, on LinkedIn. And also, um, honestly, we have a, I think we have a great website. It's, um, www.proassisting.com. And from there, uh, we really detail, um, what services are available, how to reach us, set up a call to talk about what your needs are. And um, we love to have the opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, you do have a great website. It's very clear. I think it's really gives people good direction about how they can take the next steps. So if you're listening, hop over to the show notes page. We're going to share links to both of your LinkedIn profiles to your website. Anything else that you want us to share at www.legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast, find Ethan and Stephanie's episode and you'll find all the links there. Um, do you have a gift or something that you want to share with our listeners today? Sure. Um, we will give you a link where they can input their name, email, and uh, position, and you can then get access to a, either a downloadable PDF copy of our book or the audio version, which is either a button that you can play and listen to from end to end, or 
listened to by chapter. So um, mm. all of that for free, just to um, throw us your email and let us pester your inbox. I love it. I love it. Build a little relationship with you. Um, so I will share that, you know, whenever you guys get the link, send it over. If you're listening, be sure to pop over and grab the audiobook. I, for one, am such a huge fan of audiobooks. Like I'm an avid reader, but as a mom and a business owner, there are so many days where I do not get like the sit down reading time that I want. And so I'm listening in the car. I'm listening when I walk the dog, right? I'm squeezing it in. I've listened to some awesome audiobooks in the last few months and we've had some driving time as well. So I'm a super fan. I hope you're going to pop over and check it out if you're listening to today's episode. Ethan and Stephanie, what final takeaway or thought would you like to leave folks with today? Oh, God. Um, don't be afraid to take the first step if you are looking for an assistant, mm. because we will we will hold your hand and make it as, as painless as possible. And I think um, after taking that initial step, you'll never look back. Mm. Well, and I love it. It ties back to something that you said earlier, which also I think is super important for people to hear, which is that if they're not quite ready or not the right fit, you're going to also tell them and say, hey, come back to us at this stage or when you've got you know this in place or whatever. And yes. I think somebody um, who's in the building process needs consultants like that who can help them navigate also the right time for this stuff. So- I love that exactly. about your process. All right. Even and Stephanie, so great to connect with you. I'm super excited to share this episode. Really appreciate you guys. Look forward to being in touch. Thanks. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world, and we'll see you next week.